welcome to the Apex Church Podcast. Thanks for listening and we hope you enjoyed today's message. Be sure to check out our website at www.apexchurch.org.uk and let us know you've been listening. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Well, good morning. What a delight it is to be with you and to start our new sermon series, Words to Live By. Many people don't know this, but many, many years ago when I was a young man, I had the opportunity to work along with my brother-in-law, James Smith, who was a builder. (laughs) I used the words work along. I I was a laborer. That's what I did. I got to mix the cement carry the blocks, stack the blocks, and dig some trenches. I was pretty good at that. I know, you're looking saying he's got soft hands. But one of the great joys I had was in 1989, leading into 1990, we had the opportunity to build our own home, number one, Gulf Road. James let me do a lot of the practical work on that, which helped to keep the cost down. Most of the laboring I did in that house. And I remember all those years ago, digging out the foundations, getting the sand in, preparing it for the concrete. I'll tell you, those were the best looking foundations you've ever seen. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. I was really disappointed. No one came along and said to me, Neil, those foundations, they look great. (laughs) We've never seen foundations like that. In fact, most people didn't even care. Even my wife, Phyllis, she didn't really care. But But I took great joy in working on those foundations. Why? Because it was my house. And I knew that over the years, no one else was ever going to see them. It would literally be underground level. But I always knew that every time that I pass one Gulf Road and I look across, I think to myself, I was part of the work of putting in the foundations. Foundations in life are so very important, so important that Jesus in his great sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, he told us the great story about the wise man who built his house upon the rock. He then says the foolish man, he used a different foundation. His foundation was simply sand. The Bible tells us, and that parable tells us, the story says that The rains came, the the winds came, the storms came, and the house that was built on the right, right foundation was able to stand, but sadly the house that was built on the inferior foundation, it came tumbling down. Jesus says, those that hear my words and apply my words are like wise men that build their house on right foundations. That's why it's so important that when we go to God's word and we hear God's word and God's word speaks to us and when Jesus is teaching us, he's teaching us words to live by. It's not great suggestions. It's not here's a thought. But these are principles that must be embedded within our very Christian life. If we don't get these right foundations, the truth of the matter is, there's no doubt, storms are going to come. There's going to be the wind. There's going to be the rain. There's going to be the challenging times. That's not the question. The question is, in the midst of these times, are you going to be able to stand? Your Christian life, your Christian walk, your moving forward, your, your family, are we building it on the right foundation 
words to live by. Notice it's not about editing God's word. It's, it's not about taking the parts we like and applying and discarding the other bits. No, we must apply all of God's word. That's why Jesus, when he was teaching us, he, he says that unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, last time I spoke, I spoke about the difference between religion and relationship. And the fact that religion is do, 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 but Christianity is a, a relationship with Jesus. And from that relationship, you want to do the things that please him, the things that are helpful, the words that he's instructed us and given us that we can live our life by. And, and it's so easy to go, well, we're not into religion, we're into relationship. And Jesus says, that's good, but unless your righteousness exceeds that of the religious people, you will not enter the kingdom of God. So we must understand that the words that we're giving through God's word, these are words that we must put into practice. We must apply them. It's not down to lifestyle choices or preferences. It's what does God's word say, because by abiding God's word, then we are going to be able to live the abundant Christian life. So I want to speak for just a few moments on this thought, words to live by, habits to live with. In Matthew chapter 5, Jesus, the Bible says, when he saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them. He said these beautiful words, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. And then he went on to say, Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Jesus here in the Sermon of the Mount was signposting keys to his kingdom. He was teaching his people and he's teaching us, these are words to live by and habits to live with. If you get these words, if you get these habits and they become foundational in your life, they're going to help you as you navigate all the different seasons that come our way. And here we have what is called the, the Beatitudes. There are eight of them. I love the way someone once phrased it. This is what our attitude, attitude should be. Be attitude. The word happy is the Greek word makarios. I love that. Makarios. It, it means to be blessed, to, to be favored, to be, to be happy. <laughs> I like that, don't you? To be living in a higher plane. Have you ever met someone who you would say, they've got an attitude problem? I wonder if someone's ever said that about you. You know that someone that's giving you a look that could kill is not singing, oh, happy day. What is our attitude? Our attitude is an outward expression of an inner feeling. And Jesus here in these Beatitudes, he's telling us very clearly that higher living requires a new attitude as part of our very core of becoming more Christ-like. 
Jesus is up on the mountainside and he sees the crowd and, and his disciples and he began, begins to teach them because notice something that not everyone in the crowd is a disciple. Not a, sadly, not everyone that comes to church is a disciple because a disciple of Jesus, a follower of Jesus is someone who desires to be Christ-like, to grow in maturity, desires the things of God and to understand the fundamentals of God who applies his word, who applies his teaching. Why? Because they want to be pleasing to their master. A disciple responds to the teaching of his master. Are you a disciple this morning? I'm not asking the question, do you come to church? I'm not asking, do you attend church? I'm not even asking if you've been brought up in a Christian family. But could you truly say today, I am a disciple of Jesus Christ? We usually use the term, I'm a follower of Christ. If you're a follower of Christ, you want to know his words. But Jesus said, remember, we're not only hearers of the word, but we're doers also. We have got to apply what we hear. Oh, we've heard so many sermons. We've heard so many different songs. We've so many teachers. But are we applying what we're hearing from the word of God because that's how we become Christ-like and mature in the Christian faith. Are you a disciple today? If you want to be macarious, if you want to be blessed, if you want to be happy, you want to fulfill the things of Christ, then we need, as Christians, to continually be working on this new attitude. I say we need to continually be working because you can't sustain the Christian life on your own. You can't live the Christian life on your own. That's why we all need the power of the Holy Spirit to help us to deal with our attitudes because an inward change will lead to an external change. If I could deal with my inner man, I'm going to deal with my outward behaviors. I want to be Christ-like. I don't know about you, but I want to be truly a disciple of Christ. And here we see in these Beatitudes, and we'll only look at a couple of them today, Jesus says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. It seems strange to actually use the term poor and blessed in the same sentence. It almost seems a paradox, doesn't it? But I'm not talking about economic poverty here. In fact, I'm very aware that there are many Christians and many people who have espoused poverty as a way of living and it feels right for them and that's fine and that's good, but that's not what Jesus is referring to here. He's referring to that poverty in spirit, which is a recognition of our need for God. Our faith and our trust in Jesus Christ for all things, that ability to go, I need you, oh, I need you, every hour, I need you. Now, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but how many of you would be honest enough to admit you've been saved for quite a number of years? You know you're accepted. You know you belong to Jesus. You know you're part of the family of God, and you know you're going to heaven. I'm sure there are people who go, yeah, Neil, I could put my hand up there. But would you all also be honest enough to admit, <laughs> well, I will, that there are still behaviors and there are still attitudes and there are things, still things going on in my life that are not acceptable to my Christian 
standards. Oh, I'm going to be honest, there's still times I get angry. And there's still times I, I lose it, especially if I'm, if I'm driving. And I still say some things and I think, Neil, where did that come from? I tell you, that's recognition. And I must recognize that in myself, in my flesh, Neil Cameron, even though I'm born again, I'm a child of God, but I'm still becoming what I should be. It's one of those paradoxes when the Bible says you're a saint, you're a child of God, but, but sometimes I don't look like it, I'll be honest, and sometimes I don't act like it. But that is recognition, poor in spirit, is recognition this, that I am under new management. I'm not the finished article, I'm not complete, I'm not where I should be, thank God I'm not where I was, but God is still working on me. But poor in spirit is that ability to recognize I'm not self-made. I haven't got my act together. You know, this is not about me. This is not about Neil Cameron. This is not about my gifts and my skill sets. But that humility to say, God, I need you every day, every hour, every minute to walk this Christian life. It deals with being self-sufficient. Oh, that's a big thing nowadays, isn't it? I did it my way. Uh, I don't need anyone. I, I can do it. I can get through. I'm a success. Look at what I've done. Look at what I've accomplished. And, and that, that is great. But my friend, when it comes to eternal matters, when it comes to rubber hitting the road, we have got to be honest enough to admit that without Christ, none of these things count. Listen, God is not impressed by your skill set. God is not impressed by my gifting. God is not even impressed by what I have. You can't impress God. The Bible tells me you can only please God. Why? Because he knows us. <laughs> he, he knew you when you got up this morning. He, yes, he saw you arguing with your spouse this week. He saw you frustrated at your work colleagues. Yes, he sees you in your good times and your bad times. The, the things that you're able and I'm able to hide from other people, God sees all that. But it's our ability to go, God, I am poor in spirit. Without you, I am worthless. Without you, I am no good. But I recognize that the Spirit of God dwells within me. And because the Spirit of God dwells within me, the Spirit of God helps me to live out and work out that Christian life. Isn't that a fabulous thing to know? I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. That God is still working on me in spite of my failings, in spite of my weaknesses, in spite of my nonsense, in spite of the things that I continually get wrong. <laughs> you know, you go to God and go, here I am God, it's me again, and I'm so sorry for doing that silly thing again, and and the amazing thing is God forgives us, and by His Spirit, He empowers us to keep going. It's that ability to be conscious of our sin nature. Now, this is not about condemnation. So many people get condemned. I meet Christians all the time. Oh, I'm worthless. I'm no good. I'm never going to make it. I'm, I'll always be a failure. That's not what I'm talking about this morning. No, in the reality we know in the flesh there dwells no good thing. But you have been created in the image of God. Before you were formed in your mother's womb, he knew you. 
And he destined and he ordained and he had a marvelous plan for your life. That's why I so love communion. I love when we get to come together and we gather around what we call the, the table of the Lord. And, and we take the bread and we take the wine and we remember what God did for us in Christ when he died on the cross. When his body was broken for us and his blood was shed for us. I, I love that moment because for me it's not a sense of condemnation. But it's really a time of remembrance because the Bible says, let a man examine himself, so let him eat. And it's a great time of, of inner reflection of, once again, I am poor in spirit, but God has come to comfort me, to guide me, and to help me as I walk this life. That's why the Bible says, seek first the kingdom of God, and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. What things? Blessings, success, happy marriage, great family, great kids, believing for good health. Yes, all these things are added to, but first of all, we must seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. The kingdom of God is where? It is now. It is within me, that's why we must allow God to work within us. I love when I hear people turn around and go, speaking, referring to other Christians and go, they are so blessed. I love that language. Not they're lucky, not wow, look what they've done, but the blessing and favor of God rests upon their life, rests upon your life. Why? Because we're listening to his words, we're hearing his words, we're applying his words. His words are foundational to our life. And because we're plugged into the God way, he's helping us to walk the narrow way. That's why our attitudes need to be the attitude of Christ. That's why in Matthew 16, we read these incredible words. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul is anything worth more than your soul? Friend, is anything worth more than your soul? That which is going to live on for eternity. Well, Neil, I've achieved this and I've achieved that. Great, but one day they're going to fail. Well, look how successful I am in life. I'm so pleased for you. But my friend, what will you give in exchange for your soul? That's why Jesus says, blessed are those who are poor in spirit. But he also said, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. To mourn, to weep, to, to cry, to grieve. We, we've all experienced loss one way or another, someone that is close. And I am so glad that the Holy Spirit, he truly is our comforter. But I think this adds on to the first one because it's got a deeper meaning. It's blessed are those who mourn. Mourn the fact that that sinful nature still wants to reside within us. And we recognize that there are lifestyles and things that we do, even as Christians, that displease God. Uh, when I was young, and I think you, probably some of you can, can say amen, you recognize yourself in this. Uh, I, there were times that there were some behaviors and I was sorrowful. But I'll be honest, I was only sorrowful because I was caught. <laughs> Hello. Can I get a witness? 
And so often we associate sin with the, the big things, debauchery and in areas like that. But the Bible says that to sin is just simply this. It's to, it's to miss the mark. It's to miss God's standards. It's to fall short of God's ways. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And I think there's something wonderful, and, and it deals with this self-sufficiency, or I can make it on our own, that we recognize that we are poor in spirit, our need of God, but also as Christians that we are sorrowful and we're disappointed when our behavior does not match up to the standards of God, that even as Christians that we realize I can do so much better and I need the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm not talking about that you, you're more, you mourn because you get caught, but you're mournful because you know you get short, you, you've come short. That as Christians, I can do so much better than this. The Apostle Paul, writing to the church at Corinth in 2 Corinthians, uh, Corinthians 7, sorry, he said these words, Yet now I am happy, not because you were made sorry, but because your sorrow led you to repentance. For you became sorrowful as God intended, and so were not harmed in any way by us. Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret. But worldly sorrow brings to death. What the Apostle Paul is saying, I'm so glad that your recognition of wrong brought you to a place of being sorry because coming to that place of acceptance helps you then to recognize, hey, by Christ, through Christ, in Christ, by the power of the Holy Spirit, I can do so much better than this. That's why when the prodigal son came to his father and says, Dad, give me that which belongs to me, and, and he wanted to head off. I tell you what, that father was sorrowful that his son was making this decision. He headed off and he was doing his own thing. You know the story so well in Luke chapter 15. And the Bible says these incredible words. But when he came to himself, he came to himself. There was a point in his life when he recognized, wait a minute, I'm so much better than this. I can do better than this. I've hit rock bottom. My life is more than this. My father had planned better than this for me. I need to get back to my father's house. Even his servants, even the servants there are living better than I'm living here. Because he realized that he was living so below that which life had destined for him. He's making his way back to his father's house. He's rehearsing this lines that he's going to say to his father. He's going to say to his father, Father, I'm not worthy to be called your son. Would you just make me like one of your higher servants? I can imagine as he's walking along and as he's getting closer to home, he's rehearsing these lines that he's going to say to his dad. But as he's rehearsing these lines, suddenly he sees an old man coming running towards him. As, it, as he comes into focus, he sees that it is his dad. And, and his dad throws his arms around him and he's about to rehearse the line. He, he wants to say, Dad, I'm not worthy to be your son. Listen, his dad was so close to him, he could get the stench of the, the pigs, the, the stench of his clothes, the, the stench of where he's been, the, the stench of the, the muck-up and the mess-up that his son had made 
of his life. But notice this about the Father. And here's what you need to understand. When there's recognition of our sinfulness, there is not condemnation that comes from the Father, but there's comfort that comes from the Father. For the Father, as he's leading his son into the house, he says to the servants, get him the robe, get him a robe, and and get him shoes, and get him a ring, and, and prepare that fatted calf. When there was recognition of his sinfulness, there was not condemnation from the Father, but there was comfort from the Father. Blessed are those that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Notice in that story, the only place that condemnation came from was from his brother. The elder brother that thought that his young brother had blown it, and he had, let's be honest, he had messed up, and he had got it wrong, and his, he didn't think that his brother deserved to be back in that position. You see, so easy we can judge others, but, but here's what your heavenly father does. And maybe I'm talking to someone today that's, that's messed up, that's got it wrong, that's, that somehow has messed up their life in a terrible way. And there's that sense of condemnation. And, and even as I share today with you, you, you sense, but Neil, to acknowledge my sinfulness is just to make me feel worse than I am. I want to help you understand that condemnation does not come from those that truly love you. But just like our Heavenly Father, when there is an acknowledgement and a desire to get back to that place, that there is open arms and an open heart and a welcome home. Welcome home. Blessed are those that mourn, for they shall be comforted. That's why the Apostle Paul, writing to the church of Philippi, said these words, Dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it all, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. Words to live by. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are they that mourn. Foundational to our life that we may build it on that which will not let us down when the storms come. My friend, do you know Jesus? Do you have a relationship with him? Can you truly say that he's your Lord and Savior? And and I really sense today, perhaps I'm speaking to someone that's walked away from God, that's You've messed up your life. You've got it wrong. You've blown it. You're you're embarrassed. You don't even want people to know the things you've done, the places you've been. You're so ashamed. and, And there's that sense of condemnation because that's what the enemy wants to do. But but God, through his word, and Jesus teaches us through his words, words to live by, that there is a welcome for you. Come back to Father. Come back to home. Come back to where you belong. And if that's you, I want to pray for you right now. I sense God in this moment. I want to pray for you, you, yes, my friend. You didn't just tune in here by mistake. You weren't just flipping through the channels on YouTube or Facebook and and this just happened to come up. No, this is a God moment because God is looking and waiting for you. And he's got the robe ready and the ring ready and the shoes ready. What do we mean by that? The welcome is there for you. 
because you belong to the Father's house. Would you pray with me? Dear Jesus, I recognize that I need you. I have wandered far from you. And yes, I am poor in spirit. And God, I am sorrowful. Lord, I, I mourn that recognition that, that sin has ruled and reigned in my life. But, but I thank you for the good news, the blessed news, the wonderful news of the gospel. And Father, I pray right now that you would accept me back into the family. Forgive me of every sin, of every wrongdoing, of every action that has been displeasing to you. That which is not my rightful way of living. And Lord, I commit my life to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, I pray that God has spoken to your heart words to live by. If you get the right foundations in your life, then you can build upon it.